So here we are. Hello and welcome to season two, episode number one of Marketing Nuggets with Gabriela Ferenczi. That would be me. I'm a German and Hungarian language teacher, language coach. I'm based in London in the UK and I run a boutique language training company here. It's called Prolingua Global. And I specialize in working with corporate leaders in the financial services industry. Now, in January 2021, I started something that I call a passion project. It's called Thrive Online, and it's a place where I share the nitty-gritty of practical modern online marketing with fellow language professionals, and this show is part of that. Now, in this marketing nugget, I'm talking to Natalie Dannon. Natalie Dannon is an award-winning language entrepreneur, business coach, and mentor for us language professionals, including myself. I'm also part of her mastermind group, and I've been to several business workshops and, and all sorts of programs that she organized. She's the founder of the Vici Language Academy. They are based in Berkshire, but they also have a branch in France, Vici Languages France, I believe. And she also have a corporate branch of her business, Language Academy. It's called Vici Language Dynamics. That's right. Now, Natalie regularly organizes all sorts of business workshops and networking events specifically for us freelance language professionals who, who run our own businesses. Uh, and I also, I'm also there whenever I can. I'm, uh, I'm attending and, uh, and I'm all on, uh, all on for it. Natalie, welcome. Thank you so much for Hi, accepting, for accepting Thank you very much for having me. <laughs> Thank you for being on the Marketing Nuggets podcast now. Questions, questions, questions. I have a okay. lot, but we want to keep it bite-sized. So let's go for it. What's your story, Natalie? Like, how did you really end up being a business coach to us, language professionals? Um, well, I had um, a phone call. So that would be about six years ago now, five or six years ago. Uh, no, it wasn't a phone call. Um, it was a LinkedIn message. Um, someone said to me, you're my hero. Um, I really want to do what you've done. Can you teach me? And it was someone I had never heard of before. It was a lady who ran um, a language school in Paris. Um, she specialized in teaching English to young children. And she said, um, I've been watching you from a distance and what you have in the UK is exactly what I want here. Can we work together? And so obviously I was very flattered, you would. No one had called me a hero before. Um, and I just thought, wow, that sounds really interesting. And I'm, I'm very much a project person. I love running projects. Um, and I thought, do you know why, why not? And I remember that um, I worked with a business coach myself many, many years ago. And one day he said to me after many months of working together that I would be a business coach myself one day. And when he said that, I laughed. And I said, of course I can't. Like, I'm not smart enough. And I'm not good enough and blah, blah, blah. And so I kind of smiled when this lady came to me and I remembered him and I just thought, yeah, I think I can help. So 
that was that Gabby you know we we had a, a very long conversation online um, I put together an entire business program for her which she bought and then we worked together for the best part of 12 months she came to England to see me I then went and supported her to run an event in Paris and you know, you talked about your new project as a passion. When I first started my business, I felt a real passion for it. As a matter of fact, I still do. But when I started to work with this lady, it was, it was, it's hard to explain, but it, it kind of, it made me so happy. I just felt amazing every time we had a coaching session and I just thought, wow, this is what I need to do. So um, that's kind of how the story started. And then I um, set up a business for it. And then I used a back operation, um, my first one, to stop just doing bits and pieces. Um, I couldn't move for two months. I was in bed. So I just thought, well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I need to put that to good use. And so I set up the, the Natalie Dunham coaching brand and entire business and all the packages around, around that. Wow. And that's your story, becoming a business coach, basically, to us language professionals. What about the story of you uh, being a language teacher and then running a business empire now? Well, that's another accident. Um, it was never my intention to be a language teacher. Never. Um, I remember my sister saying, I only have one sister, she's four years younger than me. And I remember her saying when we were young that she wanted to be a teacher. And I used to say, why do you want to do that? I mean, you know, it must be so boring. You repeat the same stuff over and over again. And I, you know, I loved learning English at school. I wanted to speak very good English. I um, studied law. Then I realized that um, what was more for me was kind of international trade, that kind of stuff. So I trained in that as well. And then I just, I landed in the UK a little bit by accident. Um, and I started working as a sales and marketing assistant. But I worked for two companies and they weren't particularly exciting, a uh, bit dead end jobs. And, um, and I just thought, I didn't think of leaving, um, uh, you know, cause it wasn't that easy for a, a young woman who had no connection and no family to find a good job. But I just thought I can't really live on what I earn. I need to earn a little bit of extra money. What can I do? And I just thought, what is it that I'm good at? Do you know, I remember thinking that 20 years ago. And I thought, well, I'm not really good at anything, but I can speak French and English and I love children. So maybe I could teach French children. And so um, the, the, the company I worked for were in a very small village outside Newbury, where I still live. And I put a little ad, you know, in the village shop, um, because, by the way, I am that old that you didn't just go online, you know, you, you didn't have Facebook. So I created a little ad and I put that in the village shop where I was paying, I think, 50p a week for my ad to be live. And then I had one phone call. I didn't have two. I didn't have 10. I had one. Um, one phone call of a lady who said, I've seen your ad. I think it's a great idea to introduce children to foreign languages at a young age. Um, I've spoken to some of my neighbors and, it's, uh, you know, three families 
six kids, would you come to our house once a week and teach French to the children? And I was so happy. But can I just really be honest? They paid me like 40 pounds to be there for maybe two hours or an hour and a half. Now, for me, based on the money that I was earning in the office was so much money. I mean, that was like my weekly shop sorted. So I was very excited about the money. And then I started teaching the children and I just adored it. And I just became obsessed with it. Um, I couldn't go past a shop, like a charity shop, without buying things and imagining how I could teach French to children. Um, I couldn't um, read a book and just completely transform the story to make it bilingual for the children. Um, I just couldn't focus on my job anymore, which wasn't so exciting anyway, but I just couldn't focus on my job. I just, I, I was just constantly thinking about how I could make my lessons really interesting for the children and you know one day I was I was teaching them it was every Tuesday evening and it it honestly it was just like an epiphany I just stood there and I thought this is my calling like it's not to work in the sales and marketing department um it's not to travel the world it is to teach French to young children and so I quit my job and I started to go and sell myself to schools that I could run clubs. And then I trained on the side because obviously I didn't know how to teach. I wanted to learn. And that was that really. So it's, it's a complete fluke. It's a complete accident. I just needed extra money. Wow. What a, what a powerful story and really inspirational. And the passion just, you know, it comes through the screen, honestly. It's just, uh, it's just mind blowing. But then listen, you grew it beyond yourself so you work with uh, with lots of and you don't teach anymore do you no occasionally yes. if I'm needed but I have people working for me who are way better teachers than I am there you go and I'm assuming that in order to get to this point where you are now you did need business support and business coaching oh, yeah. I wonder like what was the point when you realized okay I actually need need uh, business education in order to move forward mm -hmm. with, uh, with, with, with myself and with the business. I think that, um, so when I started the business, it was all based on common sense. You know, I, I bought um, lots of materials. Um, I bought into, you know, I bought a license to use some teaching materials. Um, and then, you know, my parents ran their own business. They were hairdressers. I heard many conversations in the evening about how to run a small business. So for me, it was kind of second nature, um, but it was all about sweat. You know, it was all about hard work and it was all about common sense. It wasn't about business knowledge. Um, so the first part of that new career lasted for six years when I um, went into schools and ran clubs and, and Saturday morning in churches and community halls. And then people asked me for private lessons in their home. And then I sometimes had a few tutors working for me. I did this for six years. And then after about four or five years, I realized that I still loved my job, um, but there was just something missing. Um, and I started to dream about having my own place where I could welcome my students, um, a place where language and culture could meet, 
um, a place where we could buy lots of different resources to give people really personalized language training. Um, but, you know, it's like a lot of business dreams or dreams in general. You kind of think, yeah, well, that's not really for me. And, you know, I don't have any money and there's no big inheritance coming my way. And, and you know, and I don't come from the big business schools. And um, so... I didn't know if it could ever become a reality. Um, and then one day I met a guy called David who ran a martial arts school. He's still a very close friend of mine. Um, and another accident, I inquired for my son. Um, and then I ended up training in his martial arts school and I really loved it. And I just thought, this place is run really well. You know, it's not just a club. This is a full-time professional martial arts academy, you know. And then he, um, one evening, he, he had a, an information evening for people who wanted to be, um, who potentially wanted to be instructors. I didn't want to be instructors, but um, um, I felt perhaps my, it, it would be of interest to my husband at the time. So we went. And then when we were there, we talked about a business program that he was doing. So I approached him and said, can I, you know, those skills that you teach people, is that transferable to another business, another skill? Uh, clearly, as your customer, I'm really liking what I'm seeing here. You've got a great organization. It's high quality. It's very sleek. People pay a lot of money to be here. It's clearly working. I want to know how you do this, but I don't want to do martial arts. I want to do languages. So he said, yes, and he started training me. So he was my business coach for about 12 months. And that's, if you like, to answer your question is, I knew then that I couldn't progress from just being a one-man band, getting work, you know, kind of organically and through referrals to opening a full-time professional language academy without understanding business a lot deeper that I, I you know you I understood that I had limitations and so running a small business on my own as a one-man band because I come from a family where people run their own business and because I'm very hard working and because I was so passionate about what I was doing that worked but being from that, deciding that I would run a full-time professional language academy. I mean, those skills just weren't good enough. So then I knew that I had to invest in business coaching. So I invested um, in business coaching with David for 12 months. And you continue to do so from what I understand. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's, it's, it's a new journey. You don't, when you run a business, you, you, you never think I'm there, I don't need to learn anymore because there's always something different. Um, you know, I needed to learn about the process. I needed to learn about running a business based on a solid business system. Um, you know, later on, I needed to learn how to deal with staff. Then I needed to learn how to scale my business. Um, there's just so much. You know, marketing, you know, that, 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 that's, that's your thing for sure. You'll know that better than anyone. You cannot think for one second that you've learned about marketing, you know, because marketing is evolving all the time. So I just think that 
I don't know how it's possible to run a business without constantly investing um, in your skill and knowledge and advice and guidance because you you need you need all the skills and all the knowledge. You can't do it on your own. You know, you need an outsider that could come in and say, how about this? How about that? You need to look at what's happening elsewhere. So I, to me, you are constantly um, um, investing in yourself when you're in a business. I invested in, in, um, in a business course just last year now, in May last year, because my coaching was developing and I absolutely love it. But I wanted to be a better coach um, to language professionals who came to me. So I personally invested a lot of time and money into my own course. Um, I don't I don't see how it's possible not to do that. I, I couldn't agree more. And and I also see that, you know, marketing uh, is is, is, one, is one side of the story, but marketing without business fundamentals being in place is just, you know, throwing water out. Uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, it, it, it makes no sense. The business fundamentals have to be really strong in order for your marketing to make sense. Exactly. You know, marketing comes a lot later down the chain. And I think that's... Um, I have to say that with all the language professionals I have helped in the past five or six years, that is the one little thing that's easy to fix. A lot of people make that mistakes, but it's one that's easy to fix. You know, when people say to you, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, I've done that, and I'm not really getting the results. And you go, well, who's your market? You know, what's the message that you wanna um, kind of bring out there? And they don't really know but they have spent tons of money on Facebook because someone else said that Facebook was a good idea or they're all over TikTok because it's the new thing when, you know, they deal with retirees. I mean, the chances of grabbing their attention on TikTok is rather slim. So I find that that, you know, marketing is exciting. You know, marketing is creative. Marketing is the next shiny thing. So I think that's why a lot of people get caught up um, with all the marketing. But you have to understand that you need, you need to know the kind of business that you want to run first. You need to have the business model first. Then you go and spend time and money on marketing. And market the heck out of it. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about, about marketing then, like marketing your language business. So what yep. sort of channels do you use? So we do, you know, social media, of course. Um, we use um, quite a few social media platforms, um, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, not TikTok yet. Um, so we are, we are, I, I want to say regular on, on social media, we post regularly. We're not um, all over it all the time, but we try to be um, constantly visible um, with stuff that's of interest um, to people. It's not always about selling. Um, we also um, have quite an important marketing database. So we send quite a lot of email marketing. Um, when I talked about social media as well, we pay. Um, for social media advertising. I think that 
and I am absolutely not a social media expert, but I think that, you know, Facebook has become a commercial platform way more than a social platform. And I think that, you know, if you want to be seen as a business owner on Facebook, just posting on your page, it's just not going to cut it, I'm afraid. Um, so we do that. We do email marketing. Uh, we do a lot of networking. Um, we, you know, when when times are slightly different, um, we organize a lot of events. So we we try to have a community around us that follow us and will eventually buy from us. Um, you know, different language company, different business model. Mine is very much boutique language academy. We're not looking at, you know, we're looking at working with about 200 students um, at any given time. So it's, it's really small to other large companies, but we don't aspire to be a huge um, um, language training translation agency. That's not really um, how the model works. So, you know, I want more, I want more students, but I think that the way that our model has been created, um, I think it's perfect for two, 250 to 300 students, for example. Um, and so organizing events is still something that we can do. We do them at the academy. We've done some online, um, but probably email marketing, social media and networking are, you know, most probably like the three big marketing pillars that we have. Really, really interesting. And when it comes to, to running campaigns, so I'm assuming that all of these are part of uh, a successful campaign, email marketing uh, events, uh, like post-pandemic or uh, during pandemic times, uh, do you still run these events? Do you, do you continue doing it online? Yeah, we do everything online. I mean, we're, I've invested way more in marketing um, since the, the, the pandemic started um, and we've suffered financially a lot. Um, but I think as I've, as I've written in one of my, my blogs, I think last week or the week before, it makes no sense to stop investing in people seeing you at a time when the market place has become crowded um you know there's there's um you know language tutors and, and language companies everywhere um i see them on my facebook um on my facebook feed there is one just maybe less than an hour down the road from me they were really traditional never touched facebook before now they're on facebook so we weren't competitors before now we are so you know, you have to be visible all the time. So we have not stopped uh, the marketing um, um, during the pandemic, but we have um, adapted our marketing. So clearly you can't just, you know, a cultural event um, that includes wine and food that we would normally organize for our members, um, which is still marketing, by the way. Um, I don't know, you know, that's maybe another topic for another day, but I don't understand why companies stop marketing their own clients. Um, if you want to keep bombs on seat, you got to make sure that they want to be there. They want to be spending money with you. They feel good giving you their money. So you mustn't be shy to organize events for your own clients. It's going to cost you money and it's going to cost you time. But that is the price of keeping them in the seat. Um, and it costs way less than having to pay to acquire new students anyway. 
but yeah, to answer your questions, we have, we've run, you know, in the way that we talk to people, it might be slightly different because you cannot avoid talking about what's going on, but we haven't stopped um, for one minute any of our campaigns. Makes, makes total sense. And thank you for that. Uh, thank you for sharing. It's really interesting to, to hear. Um, do, you, do you have like a, um, a story of a successful campaign, a particularly successful marketing campaign, or perhaps one where, where things didn't work out as you, were, uh, as you were hoping to, like you spend a lot of money or whatever budget you've got. And in the end, it's not bringing the kind of results that you would want to hope. Um, so first of all, it's really important to know that 80% of what we do is a failure. So, you know, that 80-20 rule, people hear about it a lot, but it's one of these, oh, yeah, well, I've read that in a business book or I've heard that in a webinar. You need to be strong enough to understand that it's going to happen to you and it also happens with marketing campaigns. And 80% of the marketing that we do goes straight into the bin. 20% of the marketing we do is successful. So we can either go and hide in the corner and cry, or we can say, well, it's great because 20% worked. So let's analyze where, it, where and why it worked and let's do more of it. Um, so I, in a, a, a few years ago, um, I ran a very, um, um, an, an, an email campaign where we offered people vouchers um and that worked very well now we did because i'm definitely definitely not in favor of slashing prices absolutely not um but what we did is we wanted fresh blood so we had a lot of um good regular customers but we wanted to grow we had new staff we'd done some changes to the premises we've um, just adopted the online language learning platform. So we thought, okay, we need new blood. Even if these people come in um, and we don't make hardly any money out of them for six months, they will love what we do, they will renew. So we ran um, a big email campaign offering vouchers. And um, in less than, in less than uh, two weeks, um, we made over £8,000 worth of sales um, and that cost me about two emails. However, it wasn't even a long campaign at all. Um, for anyone watching this, that's not to say go and slash your price and put money in the bank. There, there needs to be a reason as, as to why you do this. But that was very successful and that was just um, a very compelling email with a great offer. That worked. In terms of something that, that didn't work, uh, yeah, something fairly recently that didn't work and I was really quite disappointed is um, at Christmas, we did a campaign. So I, I wrote some bilingual books um, that parents can give, can read, sorry, with, with their kids. They're in French and English. And we did um, an email campaign um, just before Christmas last year, and that didn't work. That failed, um, which is okay. We only found, I only found out why 
um, last week. And why? Because there was the wrong market. The people who want to buy my books are teachers. And I was trying to sell it to the parents. This is so interesting. Uh-huh. And so, you know, and I've be, and, and, and you know, the first book was written like six years ago, something silly. Um, uh, it's never a book. That, well, but we've got two now and the flashcards and the audio recording. It's never something that I've worked on to make money out of, just to be clear. Um, if we, you know, if we covered cost, it was a huge bonus. We always knew it was going to cost us money, but it's okay. It was a marketing campaign, so they cost money. So I wrote these books more as a um, kind of business cards for parents who wanted their children to learn foreign languages. And that worked. Um, not, you know, we didn't have thousands of new students, but we had a few. However, uh, we tried to promote that um, in the new year, in at Christmas, and it turned out that it didn't really work. Um, but then I talked about the book in a uh, private group for French teachers who specialize in teaching French as a foreign language to children. And with one post, I had so many requests from teachers from all over the world. So the book, Katie in the office is about to ship the book to I think something like 16 different countries. Really interesting story. And I think it proves also that a lot about marketing is actually experimenting and, and oh, yeah. works. And even in the marketing yeah. jargon, people say the A-B testing, right? Even, you know, in presidential campaigns, people yeah. are A-B testing and seeing, seeing what works. Absolutely. You know, it's all about test and measure, test and measure, test and measure. And I think that a lot of business just, I was going to say, can't be bothered. Perhaps that's a little harsh or haven't got the confidence to go through that uh, or just try once and think it didn't work. Um, it's all about test and measure all the time. And, you know, marketing... I have to say that in business, marketing is probably the most exciting task, yet the most disheartening at the same time, because it's very tricky to get it right. It's very tricky to get constant good results. Um, it requires constant research. Um, you know, you do HR, for example, when you do HR, yeah, you deal with people who are different, different personalities, so things are sometimes different. Um, and then, you know, they're like we've, we've just done new contracts with people who work for us because the government changed some laws, etc. But you don't feel that you have to reinvent yourself every single time you are dealing with your staff or with contract or with marketing. It's like reinventing yourself all the time. Is that being creative all over again? You know, it's like that worked, that didn't work. Shall I do it again? Shall I not? And what I would say, I think something that we as business owners tend to do, which is wrong, is we tend to sometimes ignore 
stuff that we've done that have worked, we don't do it again. I said that to a, a that's a, something I've learned the hard way. It's like, well, why are you moving on to this? You've done that and it worked. I, I, I shared that with a, with a coaching client of mine the other day. You know, she had done an event online. She got two new clients, her ideal clients. And then she talks to me about this in a newsletter and da-da-da. And I'm like, when was the last time you were in an event like that? Oh, that was only last year. So you've just told me that you need another three clients and you're happy. You got two last year. Why are you not doing this again? I think we're all a bit guilty of that. I guess we are. I guess we are. Thank you. Thank you again. Like very important, very important lesson. Listen, let's move on because uh, there is something that I really want to talk about and pick your brain. Uh, and it's about, well, doing it yourself as opposed to outsourcing or delegating tasks. Mm -hmm. So, well, like the question is like at the moment, like what is it that you do yourself when it comes to marketing your language business or your coaching business? Mm -hmm. And what are the bits and pieces that you would prefer to delegate to someone, a specialist or an agency or an employee even? Yeah. How, do you, how do you decide which ones to keep to yourself and what are the ones that are better executed by, by others? Well, I think the straight answer is that I've learned to understand what I'm good at and what I'm not so good at. So um, there is no point trying to keep doing stuff that really aren't part of your strength. You are damaging your business. You're trying to save money, but you're damaging your business. You're damaging your reputation. Um, you're making your life much harder than it should be. So I think over the years, I've done a lot of, you know, work on myself. I know what I'm good at um, and I know what's not really my forte. So if it's not my forte, I delegate. Um, the second thing is the growth of the business. I think that it's crucial to understand that if you want to grow your company, you cannot do it alone. So thinking that you can do everything because you're very hardworking is a mistake. You'll end up doing everything, um, but the results will be mediocre because you cannot just put a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit there. Um, it's better that you focus on something that you can do very well. So you need stuff at some point. Um, if you want to grow your business, it's just not a choice. So you will need to learn to delegate. And I know that for a lot of small business owners, delegating is like, I can't possibly do that. I do that job better than anyone. No, you don't. Um, you absolutely don't. So there are plenty of people out there who can do that job very well. Um, people sell their companies. And these companies still carry on working very well. And the owners left the building. So no, you're not the only one who can do that job. Um, the last thing I would say is people just need to get over that delegation mode. But they, I mean, that's such a vast subject. You know, you, I think that in business, you need to know a little bit about everything. 
then you need to go look at what you're very good at and you keep doing this and then you delegate the rest. Um, I think it's very dangerous to have pillars of your business that you are completely ignorant about. That's very dangerous. That was me with accounts a few years ago and I've learned the lesson the very hard way. So now I actually know quite a lot about accounts. I won't do it because I'm not qualified, because I'm really not good enough to do something like that, but I understand it. HR, if I hire a new member of staff, I will go to an HR advisor, I will go to our employment solicitor for contracts and for advice, but I know enough about it that I know what's going on. Um, so to me, that's really what it is about. It's about understanding your strengths and weaknesses. It's about outsourcing what you're not good at when you are actually damaging your business, when you could spend so much more time and energy growing the business or you don't have to grow it, make it better, whatever it is that, that you want to focus on. Um, and then just get over the delegation bit and stop thinking that you're the only one who can do it because that's just not true. What would you say is your forte when it comes to marketing? Risk. Wow. I don't, I take a lot of risks and I'm okay to take a lot of risks. So um, that's probably why um, I, I find a way um, and resilience. That's my second biggest thing. You know, whenever I fell flat on my bum, I got up again and tried again. Um, and so in marketing, that has been, um, you know, the, the strength. And quite frankly, I have always surrounded myself by good marketers. Um, we have a marketing company uh, we work with at the moment. Um, to me... The combo that I like with marketing is this. I don't think that you should entirely delegate your marketing because I think that the marketing, there's, you know, the culture of the company is into marketing. Um, you know, most of us have, you know, most of us language professionals run quite small businesses and so you know we run them with our guts we run them with our passion you know we're there all the time and there's a there's an element of flair there that no one can replace so and and there's also you know where do you want to take your company do you want to keep it do you want to retire in it do you want to sell it so all of that only you are the master and all of that will be transparent in the marketing messages that you put out there, in the branding, and that's you. So that no one else can replace. But you can, you can. So that that that's the one part of the combo, and the other part of the combo is surrounding yourself with people who know about marketing. So that's what I do. You know, I don't let anyone else decide on the marketing that comes out of Vici. But 
I have um, a marketing company I use and we go to them, you know, on a monthly basis and we they give us advice and they can tell us about what's happening on Facebook at the moment. And I can say, you know, I want to do this email campaign. What do you think? And they will help us. And then I have my marketing assistant because I can't do all of it. We test and measure so many different things. We have very small marketing campaigns. We have big ones. So then I have um, Jana who's there to help. Um, so we implement a lot. So to me, the combo is you have to be the master of your marketing when that company's yours because there's some DNA there that no one else can replace and that will just go through the marketing veins. You cannot ask someone else to do that for you. But then you can have the marketing experts. So that's perfect combo. And then if you need help, as I do, then you go and hire a marketing assistant to make sure that the implementation is steady. Makes total sense. Thank you. Like, uh, just following up on this, what would you say is the, uh, the most critical skill in marketing that you think has made the biggest difference in your, uh, in your business? what one marketing skill is it like i don't know i don't want to say anything like well, what would you i think it's imagination oh wow um and the reason for this is that when you are tuned into your business in your industry your imagination takes you places and you will listen to a podcast, you will watch a webinar, you will listen to an audio book, you will see how someone else um, is doing, you know, their marketing, you will watch an ad on TV, and your mind is constantly switched on. And your mind starts to wander, and your imagination takes over. And then you start to think about ideas for your own business. So I think having a vivid imagination is a good thing. However, to me, the one crucial skill is implementation. So to me, being organized and implement is crucial because imagination takes you places and gives you wonderful ideas. But if you don't implement them, your marketing means very little true true vivid imagination and then implementation mm -hmm. so make sure that it gets out that it's uh that it goes out there where it should exactly be. and then you need the resilience in case it doesn't work and then you need so you see all this stuff we've talked about before it's like you go back there again because it's a circle it's like that all the time all the time never ending journey yeah. Okay, well, final question, believe it or not, if you can give us language professionals just one piece of marketing advice, what would it be? So it would probably be um, to, something that I've learned many years ago, which is really think about your market first. Who do you want to work with? Then think about the message that you want to send those people? What do you want them to know about you? 
how do you want to entertain them how do you want to send them information what how will your you know the other day in the mastermind we talked about brand persona um the message to your market is very much like that is you know a message is going to hit them with your name on it with your company logo what message do you want their brain to perceive then only then should you decide what marketing activity you do so it must always be in that order first you must decide who you want to work with in the language industry then you need to look at the message you want them to receive and then once you've established this you decide the different medias that you're going to use for this message to go across to them. So we are coming back full circle and basically we are reiterating that it's about the fundamentals. The yeah. fundamentals, the business concept, it has to be solid, it has to be in place and only then can you go on and market yourself. You know what they say, business um, is easy. Like it's, it's simple, sorry, it's not easy, but it's simple. And I know you read a lot of business books and so do I. And all of them will come with a little nugget or a different way to make you think about something. No one invents anything new. You know, it is really all about the fundamentals and how you grow from there. Loved this conversation with you and I could go on forever. Thank you so much for all this. You're welcome. Thanks for having me for all these valuable insights and the wisdom that you shared. And we will include Natalie's links in the podcast notes. So do check them out and, and make sure you follow her work. And I really hope that this conversation was, was both useful and applicable to yeah, you your, in your language business. Again, my name is Gabriela Ferenci. And if you want to get more bite-sized, easy to digest episodes on practical modern online marketing, then make sure you subscribe to this podcast channel. And for more resources, you might want to visit gabriellaferenci.com forward slash thrive online, which is where I share even more. All these links are available in the podcast notes. And so thank you. Thank you very much for listening and for tuning in. Natalie, thank you for being here. And for those of you who are following our channel on YouTube, thank you very much for watching. And I will see you next time. Take care and bye now.